Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning, and if we haven't connected before, uh, my name's Josh Rhodes, the pastor of ministries, and really excited to be kicking off this new Christmas series that will lead us up to Christmas, and we're calling it The Angels Sing, and some of you are already nervous that you think I'm going to sing at some point this morning. I'm not, all right, I'm just going to stick to teaching, but I, I do love to sing, and I actually love that we have our music pretty loud here at the Ridge because I can sing as loud as I want and none of you can hear how bad it is, all right? But this series um, is gonna be kind of unique. It's, it's really, we haven't done anything quite like it before. We're gonna choose a different Christmas carol each week to kind of focus in on. And there's really a few reasons for that. The first is we're gonna learn a lot of rich biblical truth from these songs. In fact, historically, the church has taught through song, and most Christmas carols are just very rich theologically. So we're going to take time to really draw out some of those theological truths as well as different aspects of the Christmas story. I think a second reason is I think it's going to help us gain a new appreciation for these songs. I grew up going to church, um, and you, you hear these songs year after year on the radio or wherever, and I think they start to lose their meaning. So I think this series is gonna help us really just gain a deeper appreciation for these songs that God has given us. And then third is really just to help keep us focused on Christ this Christmas. You know, this time of year, I really believe God's intent is for us to experience peace and hope as we look ahead to the celebration of Christ's birth But what happens is the season just kind of takes on a life of its own. And I think a lot of us get really busy and as a result, exhausted. We've got to decorate, shop, wrap. You have to buy your kids' teachers presents. Teachers, I love you, I do, some of you are here. But presents, it's like, the list just grows and there's so much to do. There's places to travel to and there's parties to host and it just leaves you worn out. But then I think for the opposite, there's some people where this season is just really lonely, where maybe there's not enough things to do, or not enough places to go, or not enough people to shop for. And then I think just honestly, just for a lot of people, and there's been times where this has been true for me, where the season's just kind of hard. Whether it's financially, you wish you had a little bit more to buy the presents for your loved ones, Or maybe relationally, uh, things are just kind of shaky with someone, or there's divorce, and kids have to get bounced between house to house. Or maybe this is your first holiday season without a loved one who's passed this year. Whatever the case might be, it can just be a hard time of year. So that's why I think through this series, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what the season tries to throw at you, I do believe it's possible for us to experience the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that is promised to us in this Advent season 
as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Christ. So really looking forward to this series. So our song today um, is actually based on Psalm chapter 98. And it's sort of a, a paraphrase of that psalm. So what I'd like to do is actually read it. And I've highlighted a couple of key words. And I'd love to just have you follow along and see if you can figure out which carol it is. I think most of you will get it right away. So this is Psalm 98, beginning in verse 4. It says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth and he will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. All right, you guys know what song it is? Joy to the world, one of my favorites. And the, the first verse of the song goes, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room in heaven in nature sing. Now before we dive in and, and draw out some truth from this song, I'd like to share a little bit of the history because it's actually pretty interesting and there's one fact that was a surprise to me and I just learned it within the last few weeks. So Joy to the World was originally a poem that was written in 1719, which is 302 years ago. And it was included in a book called The Psalms of David written by an English pastor and hymn writer named Isaac Watts. And he took a number of the Psalms and, and sort of paraphrased and interpreted them and, and put them in this book. And I've got a picture of Isaac Watts here, which I find a little bit ironic because you would think the person famous for joy to the world would look, I don't know, maybe a little bit joyful. But if you've had to get family pictures recently, you know that's not fun at all. Plus, the guy had to get a perm before his, so I'll cut him a little bit of slack. But interestingly, Watts' interpretation of Psalm 98 that we just read wasn't actually about the first coming of Jesus, the first, the, the birth of Christ. He was actually looking ahead to the second coming of Christ when he'll return as king to rule and to reign. So how then did Joy to the World become this famous Christmas song? Well, if you fast forward about 100 years, in the mid-1800s, a well-known American composer named Lowell Mason came across this psalm, this, this book of Psalms from Isaac Watts, and he thought, boy, there's something there. So he took that poem, set it to music, and then shared it around Christmas time quickly became popular, people began to sing it, and instantly became a Christmas classic. Now, since that time, Joy to the World, catch this, has become the most published Christmas song in North America, and the second most recorded Christmas song only behind, you guessed it, Silent Night. 
And it's been covered by so many people over the years. Maybe some of these are your favorites. It was performed by Johnny Cash, included on his Christmas album. Uh, Whitney Houston. Um, Also, You Can't Have Christmas Without Mariah Carey. It was included on that famous album. And then a few years ago, it was actually Pentatonix covered Joy to the World. And I love what author Greg Forrester said. He said, Joy to the World is an accidental Christmas classic. I think that's just so so funny. But what, what I think, honestly, is though even though Isaac Watts did not intend for his Psalm 98 poem to be a Christmas classic, I actually think in God's sovereignty, he did. And I think it's actually a perfect song for us to be singing at Christmas because it reminds us that Christ's birth isn't just about his birth. It's about everything that God was doing before and then around his birth and what he has promised to do yet in the future. You know, in thinking about how Christ's birth fits into God's larger rescue plan, it takes me back a few years when we did a series called The Story of Us. And it was 2019, if you missed it, I think it's one of the best series we've done. And and we took eight weeks and really just tried to summarize the storyline of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, using seven words that begin with P. And if you got these seven words, then really you've got the whole storyline of the Bible. So the first week of that series, we talked about the purpose of creation, that God desired to extend the love that he shared, Father, Son, and Spirit, to people. So he created the world, and then he created people to experience and to share his love With us. That was the purpose. But then, soon into the story, the problem of sin entered. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And since that time, that has been our problem. All have sinned and fall short. And that sin separates us from a loving God. But God, in His goodness and grace, didn't say game over. He enacted a plan to save us. And this plan would span from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the end of the Old Testament where he would choose a man named Abraham. And over the course of hundreds of years and prophecies and time, he would ultimately bring about his Messiah into the world. And we talked about how Jesus was the promised one, the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of the Virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross to pay pay the full penalty of our sin, went to the cross, rose again three days later. And now we are the people of God. This is where we are right now. We are called to live by the great commandment to love God and love others and then fulfill the great commission and share this good news that Jesus has come to save. And then what Isaac Watts was actually writing about was this next one, the physical return of Christ. That in God's time, Jesus will physically return to judge the world and usher in an eternity with God. He will rule and reign and make all things new. And then finally, paradise, eternity with God, with heaven. All who have placed their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ will be saved and will experience paradise with God and all believers for all eternity, but those who do not will be separated from him. So the birth of Christ, the promised Messiah, is at the very center of this story So again, even though Isaac Watts did not intend for this song to be about Christmas, I think it was perfect. 
because it reminds us that God has been at work in the past, he's at work in the present, and he will be at work in the future. So, I think it's important for us to step back and really see how all of this fits together. And as I mentioned, from Genesis 3.14 to the end of the Old Testament, God was at work, unfolding his plan to bring the promised Messiah into the world. So what I'd like to do for the next few moments is look at three different prophecies. And there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Christ, but specifically, I want to look at three predictions about his birth from the prophet Isaiah, Micah, and Hosea. And these were contemporary prophets. They all lived about 700 years before the time of Christ. So we're going to look at the prophecies and then the fulfillments of these prophecies. The first is the virgin birth prophecy, which is hugely important for what we believe about Jesus Isaiah chapter 7, 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Isaiah prophesied that miraculously a virgin would conceive and have a son. And his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So 700 years later, in Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to visit Mary. And he greeted her and he said that she had been found with favor by God and that she would be the one entrusted to bring the Savior into the world who would rule as king. So Mary's response was this. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. And then in Matthew chapter one, an angel visited Joseph, her fiance. In Matthew 1, 22 and 23 says this, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So the virgin birth was predicted. The virgin birth was fulfilled, which is an essential doctrine as it relates to what we believe about Jesus being fully God and fully man in one, who alone could be our sinless savior. Now, a second prophecy is related to where the Messiah would be born. So Micah chapter five, verse two says this. Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from eternity. So Micah's prediction is that from this small little town of Bethlehem as we sing would come a ruler But this ruler who would come in the present was actually from the past. And Bethlehem is an important part of God's story. This was King David's hometown. And other prophecies that we could look at this morning relate to the Messiah being born from the line of David and then sitting on David's throne forever. So it was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem and we see the fulfillment in Matthew chapter two. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw the star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. So the exact place of his birth was predicted, and then it was fulfilled. And one other one, which again just connects to the larger story of God's rescue plan has, actually relates to Egypt. And from Hosea 11, chapter 1, it says this, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And then in Matthew chapter 2, it says this, after they were gone, this is referencing the Magi, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up. Take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Hosea might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. And again, if you know the, the larger story of God, Egypt has a, has a big role to play because Abraham's family eventually end up in Egypt and were enslaved. God raised up Moses to deliver the people from bondage. And here we see Jesus being depicted as this new Moses, this new deliverer who would, who would deliver people from the bondage of sin. So these are just a few of the prophecies in fulfillment. And like I said, there are many more and there's a few things that I want to point out this morning. The first is I hope your faith is strengthened by the fact that we have so many prophecies and fulfillments about Christ. Personally, I would find it amazing if there was just one. If there was one prophecy about a, a virgin birth and a fulfillment. Or if there was just one prophecy about where he would be born in a fulfillment, or if there was just one prophecy about the fact that this family would need to escape for their life, and then it would be fulfilled, but we have multiple, and mathematically that is not impossible, which means it's of God. And secondly, I wanna remind you that God was purposefully preparing the world for Christ's birth at just the right time. Everything that God does is on purpose. And we're reminded of this from Galatians chapter four that says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And about these verses, author D.K. Campbell writes, this time this time was when the Roman civilization had brought peace in a road system which facilitated travel. And those Roman roads would be the roads 
that the disciples and Paul would walk to carry the message out. When the Grecian civilization provided a language which was adopted as the lingua franca of the empire, this common language to all, when the Jews had proclaimed monotheism and the messianic hope in the synagogues of the Mediterranean world, it was then that God sent his son, the preexistent one out of heaven to earth on a mission. And really this whole theme of preparation, that God had been actively preparing the world for the most significant event in human history, the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's really this theme that we already saw in the song, let every heart prepare him room. This theme of preparation that I think is important for us this time of year because if we don't prepare for Christmas, then I think we will miss Christ. So let me give you just a couple of thoughts to think about, a couple of applications this morning. The first is I think we've got to slow down and we've got to rest. I think if we do that, we will help, it will help prepare room in our heart for him. You know, we get so busy preparing for Christmas that we miss it. And I just want you to give yourself permission to slow down a little bit. The, the world will go on if you don't have Christmas lights on your house. People will not be disappointed forever if you don't send out Christmas cards. There's been a lot of years where I knew I'm just not gonna get it done and that's okay. And I think it's also important to rest. We talk a lot at the Ridge about resting each day and resting each week through a Sabbath. I think this time of year, when things do get busier, is essential that we carve out that 24-hour period to rest, to stop, to put our work down, to focus on God, to focus on the things that refresh us. So we wanna slow down and rest, but we also wanna connect with God each day. We wanna take time to connect with him. And we talk about how our relationship with God is, is really the most important thing. And the only way that you grow a relationship is through time. So I do wanna encourage you to talk to God through prayer. Weave it into the fabric of your day. When you wake up, when you're driving, when you're sharing a meal, before you go to bed and all throughout, connect with God and then open up the Bible and hear God through his word. And then third, I just wanna encourage you to join us for this series. Uh, you've joined us for the first one, that's awesome. We've got three more in this series. I just wanna encourage you to be a part of each one because I do think as we take these songs and look at these songs and, and really draw close to Christ through it, that it's gonna help us prepare and it's gonna help us keep our eyes fixed on Christ. So this Christmas season, you know, I've just been, I've been praying about our church. I've been praying for my own family. And a few things that are on my heart for you today is that first is that you would find great joy and knowing that Christ has come. It was prophesied long ago that the, that, that the Emmanuel, God with us, would step into this world, that he would go from the cradle to the cross. Christ has come, but Christ is with us right now. In the midst of whatever you're facing, whatever is causing you anxiety or stress or weighing you down, Christ is with you. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have his spirit 
that brings comfort, that brings peace, that will guide you into truth. And then take great joy knowing that Christ will come again. This is what Isaac Watts was writing about. He was looking ahead to the day when Christ will return, when sin will be no more, when broken relationships are no more, when pandemics are no more, where it will all be gone and he will make all things new and we will be with him forever. Let that bring you great joy because man, this world can bring you down real quick. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Christ and what's in store for us, which is the king <laughs> returning to make it all new, let that bring you great joy. So let me take us back to Psalm 98, this accidental Christmas classic from Isaac Watts. It says, let the joy and all that fills it, let, let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who fill it resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously in the peoples fairly. God, these truths, they do give us joy. God, we believe that you have come. We believe that you are with us. And Jesus, we believe that you are coming again. You came the first time as a humble infant. You came to the cradle. But God, we believe that you are coming back as our victorious, righteous, all-powerful king. And at your name, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. God, this season, I pray that we would prepare room for you, that we wouldn't miss Christ this Christmas. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.